Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're listening to Eye on the Community. I'm Vicki Pepper. Is climate change killing our economy? Last year, wildfires burned more than 3 million acres here in California, and we suffered four of our worst wildfires in history from 2017 to 2020, costing $55 billion in direct property damage and far more from the health effects from the resulting air pollution, rising insurance costs, lost worker productivity, and fire-disrupted supply chains. Bob Keefe, a San Diego resident, executive director of E2 Environmental Entrepreneurs, and author of Climate Nomics, says that climate change is an economic issue, but that that just might save the planet. Thank you for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you, Vicki. Bob, start by telling us about E2. What is that exactly? Absolutely. So E2 is a national organization of business leaders who essentially care about the economy, care about the environment, and realize we can't have one without the other. We've got about 11,000 members and supporters who work or do business in every state, and we got our start in California about 22 years ago. Your book, Climate Nomics, is based on the premise that climate change is killing our economy, but that that might just save the planet. How does that all work? How does that work? Huh? Well, thank you, first of all. Look, the point is that climate change, Vicki, is no longer just an environmental issue. It's no longer just a health issue. It's just a social issue. It's all of those things, but now it's a serious economic issue as well. Last year, the United States had nearly $150 billion worth of damage to our economy, up nearly 50% from the year before. We're talking in California, of course, of wildfires and drought, but flooding and drought in our nation's heartland. So many hurricanes on the East Coast, Vicki, that two years ago we ran out of names for them. And in California, between 5 and $10 billion worth of damage came from climate disasters last year alone, according to NOAA, the, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. We're averaging about $14 billion a year in damage to our state every year from everything from wildfires to droughts to storms. We've got to do something about that, Vicki. Why do you say climate change is an economic issue? Well, it's an economic issue because those costs are being borne by every one of us. Taxpayers in Riverside, San Bernardino, and San Diego, we have to pay for those billions of extra dollars in fire suppression costs, for instance, that we're now spending on, a, on every day. We have to pay the rising cost of things like crop insurance when our farmers in, in the valley are struggling with drought. And anybody that has been alive for the past 10 years or 20 years realizes that these costs are starting to add up. Why is it important for government to be involved? And do you think that new policies will really make a difference? Well, I think there's two important things here, Vicki, in my opinion. There's kind of two sides to the climate nomics coin, right? 
The one side is the cost that we've been talking about, the cost of wildfire, the cost of fire suppression, rising homeowner insurance rates, which, by the way, are up something like 40 percent between 2009 and 2019. Rising food costs. We all know that cornflakes and chicken and everything else have gone up in, in price as farmers have struggled with drought throughout California and other states. But there's another side of this, which is the, the, the good side of the climate nomics coin, if you will. And what we know, Vicki, is that with the right policies, the right clean energy policies, we can not only help blunt some of these economic costs, but we can create jobs, drive economic growth, all while helping save the planet. My organization, E2, has been tracking clean energy jobs, for instance, for the past 10 years. What we know now is that there are about 3 million people that work in clean energy in America including about 500,000 in California alone. And those are jobs that were created because of the state's smart climate and clean energy policies and national climate and clean energy policies as well. We need our lawmakers in Washington and in Sacramento to keep pushing forward with expanding clean energy. And we can continue to create those jobs and drive economic growth. How will these new policies impact businesses and consumers? Well, look, in Washington right now, there's a package called the Budget Reconciliation Package that has been sitting in front of the Senate since September. That package would invest something like $550 billion into clean energy and climate investment, including tax credits for clean energy and for electric vehicles. So what does that mean? What does that mean to everyday consumers? Well, it will make solar and wind and batteries more available to more people. It will make cleaner energy available to folks throughout Southern California and the rest of the country as well at a price tag that is reduced because of the tax credits that come with that. It'll make electric vehicles cheaper through rebates and tax credits. And who doesn't want to get out of $6 a gallon gasoline these (laughs) days, right? Uh, The other thing that money will do, Vicki, is it'll expand energy efficiency and energy efficiency programs so we can reduce the cost for every consumer and business to make our homes, our offices, our schools more energy efficient and save us money with every power bill. And then lastly, by investing more in clean energy research and development, we can maintain America's competitiveness around the globe. There are a lot of other countries that have sprinted forward deploying clean energy and capturing the economic benefits that come with that, we need to catch up with. I'm speaking with Bob Keefe, executive director of E2 and author of Climate Nomics. Aren't those policies expensive? Why should taxpayers pay for them? And how do you suggest we do that? Well, they are expensive. $550 billion over 10 years time is mighty expensive. But guess what? I'm no mathematician, but $55 billion a year is a lot less than the $150 billion we just mm-hmm. spent last year on uh, recovering from climate disasters. $150 billion a year is a lot of money as well. The good news is with these policies, we can begin to finally blunt those costs that have been rising and continue to rise. And again, create jobs, drive economic growth. Who doesn't want that? What role do businesses and investors play in the climate change puzzle? And how has that changed over the years and why? Uh, Businesses and investors obviously play a huge role, Vicki. I mean, look, we've all got to do everything we can to combat climate change and the rising costs that come with it. And businesses have really been on the forefront. Many businesses have been on the forefront for some time. If you look at, for instance, what any of the major tech companies in California or any place else are doing right now, 
when they're building these big data centers to make sure we can all use our cell phones and search the internet. Every major tech company right now is shifting to clean energy. They're shifting to 100% renewable energy. Why is that? Well, for one thing, it's the right thing to do. But just as importantly, solar and wind is now the cheapest energy available. And businesses see this as a bottom line issue. They also see it as a bottom line issue when their factories go up in smoke in the next wildfire or get wiped out by hurricanes in the east or tornadoes in the middle of the country. But again, American businesses cannot do this alone. We need the policies at the federal level and at the state level. Fortunately, California has been a leader at the state level for so long, but we need these policies at the federal level to both extend these cleaner energy and cleaner vehicles to more people and to drive this transition to a call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Their economy. Why is clean energy and climate change so politically polarized? I wish I knew that uh, <laughs> because it shouldn't be. You know, Vicki, my organization, E2, has been tracking clean energy jobs around the country for uh, about a decade now. And what we found is this. Of those 3 million people who work in solar and wind and energy efficiency in electric vehicles now, of those 3 million people, about half of them, nearly half of them work in Republican congressional districts. Nearly half of them work in Democratic congressional districts. So there's no reason that advancing clean energy and creating jobs in America should be a political issue. It just shouldn't. At the same time, look at where these disasters are happening. Again, hurricanes in the east, wildfires in the west, the most expensive tornadoes and thunderstorms we've ever seen in the middle of the country last year. This is happening every place, and our politicians need to wake up and realize that climate change is not something happening in the Arctic or in some faraway Pacific island. It's happening in their backyard, and they can create jobs and drive economic growth by supporting the policies that do that. How are lawmakers in D.C. and state capitals thinking about these issues of climate change and clean energy, and how has that changed since you started doing this? Well, they're not thinking about it enough, I don't think. And look, what I like to say is that I don't care if you like polar bears or if you believe in science or not. I don't care if you drive a Prius or a pickup truck. The fact of the matter is climate change is costing every sector of our economy in every state in America and clean energy jobs. And this growth is also happening in every part of America as well. And hopefully our members of Congress will start to realize that we've got to do something to address these costs. I mean, look, if there was anything else that was causing $150 billion worth of damage to our economy every year, you could absolutely bet that lawmakers would be scrambling to do something about it. We've all got to make our elected officials realize that our economy can't take this any longer. And we have great opportunities to both address that and do some good in the world. There's a chapter in your book, Climate Nomics, about your time as a technology reporter writing about the growth of Silicon Valley, the Internet, mm. mobile phones and the companies behind them. How is clean right. energy and climate tech taking a similar path? Absolutely. Well, thanks for asking that. And as mentioned, yeah, I spent about 20 years as a journalist, including a lot of time in Silicon Valley during that, covering the tech industry. And 
You know, what I'd say, Vicky, is that I sometimes hear people say, oh, yeah, this is all great. Sure, we need to go solar. We need to switch to electric vehicles, but we can't do that right now for whatever reason. It's not here right now. And what I would say is I remember sitting in a, a meeting with Steve Jobs at Apple and Steve telling us reporters that someday we're going to have a thousand songs in our pocket. You remember that? Or someday mm-hmm. you're going to actually... Take pictures with your cell phone. I don't know how, you know, who thought that could happen? I remember talking to Jeff Bezos at Amazon who said, you know, Amazon's not just going to sell books. We're going to sell everything you could possibly buy. Uh, I remember the Google guys telling me you're going to be able to find anything ever put on the Internet through our search engine. And I and many other journalists shook our head and said, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Well, we're at the point with the technology with solar, with wind, with batteries, with energy efficiency, with electric vehicles, we're at the point now where that sort of technology was 10, 20 years ago, Vicki. And the opportunities for growth in those areas are just, I think, are the, the biggest opportunities in our lifetime, if not in several generations. We need to seize that opportunity, though, and we need our politicians to do the right thing to help us do that. How would you characterize the United States standing internationally when it comes to climate and clean energy? How are we doing compared with other countries? Regrettably, we're standing at the back of the line these days. We lost a lot of time over the past four years, previous four years in advancing clean energy and other countries stepped up and took that market share. If you look at where the biggest deployments of solar and wind and the biggest advances in clean energy are over the past few years, it's in other countries. It's in China, it's in Europe, it's in the UK. Unfortunately, we have to catch up. And by the way, we also have to remember that the United States and our economy is getting hit worse than a lot of these other countries when it comes to the economic cost of climate change. Globally, two years ago, the United States had six of the 10 most expensive disasters in the world. We're taking a beating on this and we need to catch up. I've been speaking with Bob Keefe, executive director of E2 and author of Climate Nomics. Any last thoughts you want to leave us with and tell us how you would like us to get your book? Well, thank you for that. You can find my book anyplace books are sold. You could go to the website, climatenomicsbook.com. You can also find out more about all of this at my organization's website. That's e2.org, enumeral2.org. But I really would just encourage folks to learn the facts, think about the economic cost of climate change, the economic benefits of climate action, and speak out. Talk to your lawmakers. Tell them what you want. You want a cleaner future. I guarantee it. Anybody that's listening doesn't want more wildfires. They want more clean energy jobs. We need to make sure lawmakers understand that. Thank you so much for talking with us today. And definitely, here's to fewer wildfires. (laughs) Amen. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.